0: All right, welcome back to the big program. Time to elevate your game by Ram elevators and lifts. Unlock the potential of your residence uh, with a home elevator or lift. You can learn more at TrustRam.com as we welcome in Jensen Lewis from Sirius XM Major League Baseball uh, Radio Network. Uh, Morning, Jensen. Welcome to Sports 1440.
1: Kevin, thanks so much for having me, man, and good morning to you as well.
0: Oh, thanks for coming on. So what do you make of Game 3 tonight uh, after what happened uh, the first two games in Texas?
1: Yeah, it's a, a really high-scoring affair in those first two games, and uh, not, not shocking whatsoever considering uh, that Texas's offense at home has been really outstanding, and then uh, Arizona to get the equalizer uh, on uh, Game 2. Uh, and and the way that they did it extending late, uh, allowing Toy Lovello not to have to use uh, some of his re- uh, leverage relievers in back-to-back nights, that'll be a huge advantage uh, for them going in. So an extra day of rest accumulated to, to be uh, reinforcements for Brandon Fott, who has just been, uh, what what a story mm-hmm. this young kid has been, not only at the end of the regular season, but through a very dominant postseason. He'll be opposed by Max Scherzer, and a real circle, uh, you know, circle the wagons moment here uh, for Max Scherzer. He, he goes up against Uh, the team that drafted and developed him. He made his major league debut uh, in Arizona at Chase Field, and exciting to see the emotion, uh, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of it from him when he takes the mound for that World Series start tonight.
0: Jensen Lewis from Sirius XM Radio, our guest on Sports 1440. Jensen, you did touch on Brandon Font. What is going on? What's making this guy tick in such high-pressure situations for such a young pitcher in the game right now?
1: Yeah, Kevin, it feels like he's just fearless and trusts his stuff uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. I love the way that he uses his fastball, uh, sort of a throwback guy where he's going to challenge you with good old number one, and then being able to elevate with two strikes to set up his off speed. He's really had great late movement and and will be very tough on the right-handed hitters tonight. Uh, I think for him, just continue to do what's got you here and, and what's made you successful. He really doesn't have to change anything about his process Uh, Again, it's the beauty of of how Torrey Lovello and and that staff have set up his starts going in is that uh, they have really held to that 18 outs plus or minus four mantra. We'll see how closely uh, he can get to that tonight because I would feel with Texas coming in undefeated on the road Mm -hmm. this season and and really if you look back at the ALCS, their MO was early offense and crooked numbers. I mean, they really bludgeoned uh, the Houston Astros, particularly game six, game seven, where they just ran away and hide. uh, uh, Basically, that was their mentality and and their execution. So anxious to see with Marcus Semien, particularly tonight, he has really struggled this postseason. Can he find a way to kind of jumpstart himself and this Texas offense? And then on the flip side, when you've got Cattell Marte, now the major league leader with 18 consecutive Hmm. postseason games with a hit, uh, I Be in your seat, ready to go, and, and be by your TV from pitch one because I think you could see both these lineups have a sense of urgency right out of the gate.
0: You know, you know, There's so many wonderful storylines in this World Series, uh, maybe more so than in years past as uh, Jensen Lewis is our guest on Sports 1440. Um, has, have you felt that, uh, those storylines, and kind of taking it to the next level with uh, just feel-good stories that maybe we haven't seen in years past?
1: Yeah, no question. And I guess we'll start with Arizona because
0: and when you look at where they're. Oh, uh, we uh, just lost uh, Jensen Lewis. We'll try to get him back here as uh, he is uh, checking out game number three for uh, Sirius XM uh, radio uh, after a uh, Extra inning win by Texas in game number one where Adoles Garcia was absolutely phenomenal in the sense of another massive home run. Uh, the Arizona D-backs came back with an offensive throttling in game number two. Uh, I think we've got uh, Jensen back. So, uh, Jensen, just uh, you were just touching on the, the amazing storyline, starting with Arizona, I guess, in, in this World yeah, Series.
1: Yeah, apologies, <laughs> apologies no for that, Kev. No worries. Um, yeah, I think for the, for them, most importantly, it was how they came back from their adversity there uh, in, in June and in July and, and also into August. I mean, this was a team that was in third place, really had uh, some inconsistency offensively where Corbin Carroll could tell Marte Christian Walker had basically carried them for the majority of the season. But the emergence of, of Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Moreno, uh, who I'm sure uh, most of your listeners remember <laughs> from being a, one of the, the highly touted prospects for the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm telling you, if, if Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins could have a do-over, oh, I think boy. they may have a, a second thoughts about making that trade for Dalton Varshow because uh, Gabby Moreno has become one of the young, budding superstars in our game, not only behind the plate, but at uh, at the plate as well offensively. So uh, Arizona, it, it just it feels like one of those Cinderella stories, but I think they all believe they, they were there. So you've got back-to-back World Series where the number 60, the last team in the National League side of the bracket, ends up being the last team playing in the National League side. And then same can kind of be said for Texas. Uh, one of the best teams in all of the American League in the first half of the season – then get hit with massive injuries to their position players. Of course, Jacob Degrom getting hurt early did not help, but they had to really try and, and string it together. They were four and sixteen through twenty <laughs> games at one point uh, at the uh, the mid part of August, and then somehow, some way, put it together to finish and, and go into the final weekend with still a chance to win the division. It's just remarkable how hot they've gotten in all facets of the game, to really go on this run. But, I mean, Bruce Bochy is the answer. If you need to know how big a difference (laughs) a manager can be in your team's success, I mean, look no further than that club. He comes off the couch after three years away from the game and literally is able to turn the knobs and and hit the switches in the right manner to be be able to get this team back to the fall
0: classics. Jensen Lewis is with us on Sports 1440, Sirius XM, uh, Major League Baseball Network Radio uh Gabby Marino, yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, you said it and you, you hit the nail on the head, Jensen, about what uh Blue Jays fans think of the trade. But man, this guy he just looks so composed in every uh every part of his game right now.
1: what, what what's remarkable, I think, Kevin, about him is that to do it at such a young age and, and it feels like he's wise beyond his years. But at times it feels like he just lets his athletic ability take over. And even last year there was a lot of conversation at the trade deadline about the availability of Gabby Moreno because Mm. if people remember, I mean, Alejandro Kirk was hitting cleanup for the Blue Jays and just having a sensational season. So they decided to make him the guy and and their focal point and and felt like Gabby would be expendable. And, you know, to give Toronto a bit of credit here, how would you have known that it could have come to fruition this quickly but still knowing – that it's such a premium position to not only have the defense, but the offensive component and potential. Hard one to to be able to part with, and I get it. You looked at Dalton Varsho and felt like he could do a a myriad of different things there. But to me, it was a steal on paper to know you could get two everyday players Mm. and Guriel. And also Moreno, and, and I think Arizona is very, very happy with their haul right now.
0: Yeah, and you know, you know, uh, Jensen, just the, even the way he handles the pitching staff at such a young age, he just looks like you know the, the mound visits at the right time, uh, just calming influence. I mean. He's really coming into his own again, as you mentioned, at such a young, young age. One other young player in the series uh, on the Texas side of things, Evan Carter, has come on and really, uh, again, mature maturity beyond his years as a young, young player. Uh, what, what have you seen from Evan Carter uh, in his short time just in the playoffs here?
1: Yeah, the the valedictorian in high school. I mean, uh, he's the guy everyone's going to media wise to talk to because yeah. he's just so he's so uh, he's so understanding of his surroundings and you know his heartbeat too. I think is is really the thing that stands out most to me. He's very simple at the plate. Uh, his approach is laser focused, and for a guy that young to be able to hit third in that lineup and, and help propel a team, not only at the end of the season but also here in the postseason. I mean, to to be entrusted to that spot by Bruce Bochy, I mean, you've got to earn a ton of respect in a short amount of time, but it also helps when you deliver. I mean, you make Bruce Bochi's life very easy to, to keep penciling you in there, and I think his plate discipline is is pretty advanced for not having a, a lot of experience at the big league level. I'm anxious to kind of see how Brandon Fott goes after mm-hmm. uh, the left-handers tonight, and, and I particularly zone in on, on Corey Seager and, of course, Evan Carter. I, I think that Brandon Fott will have a, a real good time against the right-handed hitters. it just so much movement late into the righties. But for him, he's going to have to be careful because those action early guys with Seeger, uh, with Carter, if they get pitches to drive middle in, middle away, they've been tending to do a lot of damage with that.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, Texas has another young one coming in Wyatt Langford. He's a heck of a ball player down in the minors. So, I mean, I would imagine he's, you know, on the radar for for next year as we speak uh, with Jensen Lewis from Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network. What's it been like for you to cover the, the playoff run of Dolas Garcia and everything that he has accomplished in the postseason so far?
1: It feels like if you guy up in a clutch situation, man alive, uh, he has been there. And it just it's so weird how baseball works, Kevin, where when a guy is hot, it just seems that in late-game spots when the lineup turns around, you turn around and look at the on-deck circle, and he's standing right there. And uh, the moment he had, obviously, at the end of the ALCS, where he gets hit and then comes back and just lays waste to the Houston pitching staff in Game 6 and Game 7, uh, really set the stage for what could be a very impactful World Series after the walk-off in game one. Also anxious to see how they pitch him, knowing that the back part, at least behind him, as far as lineup protection, Kev, has not mm-hmm. really been uh, pretty stout. So I- I'm kind of anxious to see if Tori Lovello and that staff get together and say, all right, we obviously know this is a guy you circle in the lineup. You don't want to beat you. Do they decide to, you know, quote-unquote, pitch around Garcia and-, and maybe go after a Mitch Garver or Jonah Heim I think that is a mindset, too, now when you get into Arizona, and it's a completely different dimension-wise. There's a big outfield to cover there. You can tend to be a bit more aggressive against middle-of-the-order bats, but I wonder if they just bypass him altogether, kind of give him the Bryce Harper treatment and say, we're going to let someone else try and beat us, and if they do, we'll tip our cap. That's what they're paid to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Jensen Lewis from Sirius XM uh, Major League Baseball Radio is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, Jensen, what do you make of the Rangers' bullpen right now? Jose Leclerc was the closer to start the year, basically. Uh, didn't pitch well, was uh, taken that job over by Will Smith, and then they brought in our oldest chaplain. But now uh, Leclerc looks like he's kind of got his mojo back. So just your thoughts on maybe both bullpens heading into game three.
1: I think for, for Texas and with and for Josh Fors and Aroldis Chavin, they've yet to appear uh, in these first couple of games. So it's a pretty decent layoff, uh, especially for relievers that rely uh, on being able to have that touch and feel and that command. Of course, they've got power stuff, but uh, they've had elevated ERAs. We know Aroldis Chabin has had command issues uh, in late-game situations. So I uh, wonder when Bruce Bochy deploys them. You you would anticipate they have to get in the game tonight for nothing other than being able to get back into the game experience. But I think it's also incumbent upon maybe a Dane Dunning or mm-hmm. uh, you know maybe a, a Bradford there to, to be ready at a moment's notice if Max Scherzer ends up not able to get through you know, one time around the order, maybe into the fourth inning. I think that's the real hard part for both managers tonight is understanding that you're going to play three games in a row. And and most likely it could be bullpen games for both squads in game four. I, I still think Texas should start John Gray, at least from a length perspective. They may go Andrew Heaney, depending on what happens tonight, but man alive, that's that's the one thing where that first big decision for each manager, when do you take your starter out and when do you yeah. start using those bullpen resources? If they have to do it, where both starters get blown up, I think it's advantage Arizona. They're a bit deeper in that category. But, man, if Scherzer can get them four or five in for Texas tonight, sets up really well for Bruce Bochy in those leverage
0: spots. You know, and, Jensen, what would you have said, like, if someone were to tell you that Arizona would have got this far in the playoffs, uh, no one picked him to do that, but without anything, really, any offensive output from Christian Walker, what would you have said? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know? uh, there's no way there's no way it would happen and uh, i agree with you kevin when you think about how arizona is built it was more on that speed pressure being able to to create some chaos on the base path they have found the power stroke they have actually hit a ton of homers throughout the entirety of the postseason but here's your your equalizer christian walker at home has been phenomenal this year you wonder if it's just you know sleeping in your own bed <laughs> getting back uh, to a place that you see the ball really well that could be the elixir for him starting tonight. And again, uh, you know, the matchup with Scherzer, it's not the blazing fastball and the swing and miss capability we've seen in the past. Could be right spot, right time for Christian Walker to break out.
0: Yeah. And when just one last one for you. I, uh, the one storyline that really caught my eye was with Tommy Pham and Jace Peterson. Can you kind of just uh, run down that, that, that angle for our listeners, please?
1: It was incredible, Kevin, because you know Tommy Pham chasing World Series history was uh, trying to be the first player ever to go five for five mm-hmm. uh, in a World Series game, and you know with the, the lead pretty safe at that point for Arizona late in the game, he went to Tori Lovello and said, "Hey, uh, you know, Jace is my guy, and and want him to get his opportunity here in the World Series." And and what a selfless moment, because mm-hmm. you know in in that in that spot you're feeling so good at the plate, and and you're having a career night, maybe one for the record books and to, to stand down and allow one of your teammates to have an opportunity. And who knows if Jace Peterson would be able to get in uh, the rest of the world series to do that. Uh, and I think Tori Lavella spoke to it, such a great human element about baseball, and, and, one at that point in the game that I think they'll never forget.
0: So as a former uh, big league pitcher and you see a, a teammate do that, what are your thoughts? Like just a little thing like this can elevate a team to and that's kind of part of our segment here. Elevate a team to another level here. Uh, just a, a little selfless thing that can maybe be a difference maker moving forward here.
1: Yeah, I think probably the extension of that, Kevin, is that Tommy is such a competitor and, and is a, a big time a team leader at club. He's got an, you know, he he can chaos on his own with his personality. But to have that moment, it it, it might have been slightly out of character because and would want every possible Mm at-bat to be able to help his team out. So to give that up for a teammate who, you know, for for, uh, those opportunities, at least up to that point, wasn't going to see the field, man, uh, another unifying component of why Arizona has been so good as a team.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a team of of destiny. Hey, Jensen, thanks so much for your time. Great insight. Uh, Appreciate it, and uh, enjoy Game 3 this evening. Thanks, Kevin. Have a great one. We'll talk soon. You betcha. That's Jensen Lewis, Sirius XM, Major League Baseball Network Radio for Elevate Your Game by Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. Trustram.com. When we come back, we will check in with Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press and Monday Night Football, the Raiders and the Lions. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right. Welcome back to the big program. Time now for the pigskin report brought to you by Mr. Lube. Stop in now for an oil change. No appointment necessary. Be winter ready at one of their nine Edmonton locations. Mr. dot com as we welcome in Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. Uh, good morning, Dave. Welcome to Sports 1440 morning how are you oh just great uh thanks for coming on and uh, sharing some time with us uh this morning i guess the the easy question the big question right off the hop is how can the detroit lions rebound after uh last week's uh big time loss to the baltimore ravens
2: yeah i don't i don't think that'll be that big of an issue i mean look that was a a one-off you know they played really good football uh for most of those first six weeks you know four straight wins by double digits before then and you know they're back home, right? Monday night, uh, inside, no elements to, to contend with, and that's sort of what this team is built for. So they got a good team. You know certainly the Raiders won't be a pushover. They've got some good skilled talent, Max Crosby on defense, mm-hmm. but uh, it's the Lions team that, frankly, is one of the, the best handful of teams in the NFL. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect anything different to show up tonight.
0: Dave Burke at Detroit Free Press is our guest on Sports 1440. Um, Jared Goff has been off to a pretty good start let's say again you say last week is just a one-off uh, how would you rate jared goff's play so far in the early season
2: yeah no i think he's he said a good he sort of picked up where he left off last year you know a lot of people were surprised at what he did in the second uh half of the season really those last 10 games when the lines went on that eight and two run and um you know he, he he's picked well, right from there, I mean, no turnovers or very few turnovers, right? A couple interceptions, mm-hmm. but um, that was the big thing for him last year. I think he's processing the game fast. He's seeing the game fast, and you know, this is a Lions team that they, they've spent some capital on some offensive weapons, but they just they haven't had those pieces there all year. I mean, they're tonight they're going to start their seventh different combination in eight games on the offensive line. Amon Ross St. Brown missed a game. David Montgomery will be out tonight for his. You know the third game he's missed this year, and and yet the offense has, has still managed to um, not only stay afloat, but you know be one of the most productive in the league before last week. So I'm uh, I, I think Jared Goff will will have another good game tonight, and and you know he's not that Patrick Mahomes caliber, Joe Burrow caliber quarterback, but he's he's in that next tier.
0: Where are they at uh, with David Montgomery? Are they just sort of trying to be cautious with this uh, rib injury? What where, where are they at with him?
2: No, he should be back after the bye. I mean, you know, of course, cartilage in his ribs, dealing with bruised ribs. so He's got a couple things going on there. And just something that he needs to, you know, manage the pain on and get healthy with. Talked to him in the locker room last week, and he said the bye week should help. And certainly no guarantee that he's back after the bye, but I think that's the way it's trending right now.
0: Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press is our guest on Sports 1440. with the different combinations, as you mentioned, on the Lions' offensive line, how do they handle a guy like Max Crosby tonight?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, look, Max is, you know, one of the, the best pass rushers in the game. So the Lions like their offensive tackles a lot. Penae Sewell is one of the best right tackles in the game, and, and that's who Max will be going against a lot. And, and, you know, I don't, I think you'll see those guys go one-on-one, you know, plenty tonight. Um, certainly the Lions will will send some chip help. You know, Max's way, and, you know, maybe, you know, Max gets moved around, so maybe when he's inside, you're, you're, you know, you're double teaming him a little bit just to make sure that he doesn't get to the quarterback too quick, but, um, that's one. That's a matchup that I'm looking forward to. I know some people in the locker Aiden mm-hmm. Maiden Hutchinson even said it this week, that, hey, I'm going to get my popcorn ready and, and watch, <laughs> you know, Penny Sewell and Max Crosby go one-on-one.
0: Well, it'll be a good matchup for sure, as Dave Burkett is our guest on Sports 1440. With David Montgomery out, that means probably an added role, just like last week with uh, Jameer Gibbs. How has he handled the extra workload?
2: Yeah, you're right. It's going to be his show on the backfield again. Um, look, you know he's uh, he had about twenty touches last week, and very similar the the first game that that David missed earlier this year. Not all of those were rushes. He had nine catches last week, so mm-hmm. they're, they're getting the ball to him in different ways. But um, certainly one of those things where he's he's going to be the focal point of the the running game and, and get the bulk of the work in the backfield. And built differently, maybe they they run things a little bit different, not quite as much between the tackles. But um, this is a Lions team that. You know, they want to run the ball. That's when they're best. Their they're, you know, passing game works best off the play action. So, uh, and the fact that they've thrown it so much the last two weeks, golf has had nearly 100, 100. attempts, more than that if you include the, the sacks. Um, that's not who they want to be. So, I expect them to come out and try to get that running game going early.
0: Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press is our guest on Sports 1440. How impressed have you been with the young tight end Sam Laporta uh, in just, uh, you know, not even half a season coming up here? What's he, what's it been like to watch this guy on a daily basis?
2: Yeah, he's played well. I mean, you know, tight end is a spot where historically it's tough for rookies to contribute. Uh, I think there's two rookies, uh, there are two tight ends that have topped 1,000 yards receiving as a rookie. So, it's not something that, that you see often, in the production that Sam has had and you know, you throw in the lines of of you know haven't shied away from running the ball behind him or using him as a key key blocker too. So um you know he's playing every down for them and he's been a good player. You know, certainly it's had, you know, a couple drops and he's gotta clean that up and um, you know, there's there's gonna be some missteps as a rookie, but when you look at this, this passing game, you know, it's Amon Ross St Brown and Josh Reynolds has had a pretty good year while dealing with some some injuries and you know, uh, Laporta and Gibbs are really their, their, their other options there. So there's a couple of rookies that are playing key roles for the Lions on offense.
0: Is there any way that Jamison Williams can be a part of this offense?
2: You know, um, I mean, he adds an element to the offense that they don't have otherwise, just the speed. And you see it even when he struggled on the field, his ability to to beat defenders deep and, you know, the, the threat that provides uh, – Look, you know, he hasn't had a great first season and a half, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm certainly doubtful that it's going to, you know, change overnight. Uh, but he is going to be on the field, and he will be playing in, in, in an important role on offense just because of the speed. So, you know, he's going to have a game here where he has four catches and 100 yards, and people are like, wow, that's a guy that the Lions drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, spent a first-round pick on traded up to get in 2022, but I think more often than not, we're still going to see games like we've seen his first couple weeks back here from suspension.
0: Uh, Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. What's the overall feeling in Detroit, uh, Dave? Just with this Lions team, because I mean, don't have to tell you how you know how tough it's been for years and years to see where this team can try to get it to the next level and be part of that top tier. In the NFL. So, is the general feeling that, you know, the team is ready to take that step?
2: Yeah, I think most people, you know, get a sense that they're there, and especially when you you, you see, you know, San Francisco losing three-star games, and the Eagles have the best record, you know, in the, the NFC and the NFL right now. But, you know, the Lions are, I mean, they're, if they win tonight, they're the number two seed in the NFC playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you get that, you know, that's two home games in theory. And so, you know, people definitely believe in this Lions team. They think this team can do some really good things, not just, you know, right here in the regular season, but in the playoffs too. Um, you know, I think it's important that they that they do have home field advantage in some of those playoff games because they're a different team at home than they are on the road. Uh, but they've amassed some some good young talent and they've got a good coaching staff and a good front office and it's something that feels like it has some staying power.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press is our guest on Sports 1440 with um, Kirk Cousins probably uh, on the shelf for a while here. I mean, the Vikings have won three in a row. Uh, the rest of the NFC North is abysmal, to say the least, with the Packers and the Bears. But the Lions have a chance to really, you know, you know, put some separation between themselves uh, here in Minnesota. Is that kind of the feeling moving forward as well?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, I think that probably was it uh, even before, um, you know, Cousins got hurt. But especially now that the Vikings have a little quarterback issue, too, it sort of seems like, you know, there's there's no one that's going to really challenge the Lions here in, in the NFC North. And, you know, when they're making moves here at the deadline or considering moves, I don't think it's about securing the division. I think most people around here are... You know, feel like that's going to happen uh, as long as they stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more about making sure they have what they need to to compete with uh, the the Eagles and the Forty ers and the other top teams in the NFC.
0: With the uh, trade line trade deadline creeping up, uh, Dave, do you see Detroit being busy, active? What do you see?
2: Yeah, I wish I had an answer for you and what they're going to do. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Brad Holmes will. You know we'll be kicking the tires on some players, and you know Dan Campbell sort of alluded to that last week. But um, you know, takes two, and you know we'll see what the asking price is. They could, they could certainly use another pass rusher to pair with Aiden Hutchinson. I think you know they could use some help in their secondary because they are kind of thin back there with the injuries they've had, and you know maybe there's a a receiver that they feel like can help them. But uh, you know if if I was Brad, I would be looking for another piece on defense and. You know, I'd, I'd be swinging for the fences myself, just based on where they're at and what they have in front of them. I don't know if he if he'll you know do the same, um, but the Lions are in a, a position to contend right now.
0: What would you say, like for Aiden Hutchinson? I mean, to compliment him, is there someone out there that you could see maybe that would help this team on the D line?
2: Yeah, you know, I don't know um, you know who's available and who's yeah. not. Uh, you know, certainly like names that have been bandied about are you know a couple of the pass rushers and. And Washington Chase Young and Mm
1: -hmm. um, you know maybe
2: get a guy like that Montez Sweat you know somebody like that I mean that would certainly be another pass rusher that um, I think would would give another presence on the edge when those teams are shifting that double team help towards Hutchinson so you know Brian Burns is probably a you know, somebody that's not, you know, something that's not going to happen. I know they they want a lot, and I don't know if the Vikings would be willing to deal with to Neil Hunter. But, again, if I'm Brad Holmes, I would be taking a swing for one of those type of guys rather than just, you know, another guy that's going to play 25 snaps off the bench as a uh, as your third rotational pass rusher.
0: Um, as for tonight, uh, as we guess with Dave Burkett from the uh, Detroit Free Press, uh, as for tonight's game, uh, Dave, how do you think the Lions secondary will handle a guy like uh, Devontae Adams?
2: Yeah, I don't see them doing anything different than they've done most of the year. And that's, um, you know, playing sides, Jerry Jacobs and Cam Sutton are top cornerbacks. And, mm-hmm. you know, Dan Campbell said the other day they both had really good weeks of practice. They look like they're fired up for this matchup. Um, you know, they know what Devontae brings. I mean, he was in this division for a long, long time. So everyone here is familiar with, of exactly what he can do. Um, Lions want to stop that run first, you know. Even though Josh Jacobs isn't yeah. having his, his best year, I think they uh, they firmly believe it starts up front there. So, um, you know, and hey, if they can get some some pressure on Garoppolo, you know that probably limits what uh, what Adams can do down the field as well.
0: And what's it like with Dan Campbell? I mean, you've you've been there for you know a good dozen years, Dave, covering this team uh, with the Detroit Free Press, so. Um. Just the you know when he came in, you know he had all you know the kneecap things and talking about stuff like that. Now they're gonna you know just keep coming at you, coming at you on a daily basis. Just his his demeanor and uh, what's it like is for the media being part of the media to kind of cover uh, Dan Campbell on a day to day basis.
2: Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, it's it's a better. Uh, situation that we've had in years, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, he's, uh, you know, look, the best thing about Dan is, um, you know, he, he shoots it straight, and, you know, that doesn't mean that he'll tell you every single thing you want to know, but you ask him about an injury, and he's going to be honest if he can. And, and you know, his, he comes in, and he wears his emotions on his sleeve. So, you know, if he's fired up, how he's feeling about a game, if he's happy about practice, I mean, you can kind of tell, um you know by by the way that he carries himself and then when you ask him about it 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 always seems to match up with what you're thinking because again you know he's he's a straight shooter and i know people around the building respect him people in the league respect him and um so you know from that that standpoint it's been good to cover and Uh, I know in the area, you know, there's a whole lot of people that like him and are rooting for him to have some success.
0: I think so. And, I mean, uh, you know, growing up here, you know, we were getting Detroit Cable. That's what we got up here for, you know, years and years. And so we saw everything from the Barry Sanders era to, you know, everything, you know, Wayne Fonts and, you know, it just was – that was kind of what we were exposed to here. So uh, a lot of Detroit Lion fans uh, up in this part. So uh, uh wish you all the best. Uh, thanks for coming on, uh, Dave. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and we'll chat soon.
2: All right, sounds good. We'll talk to you again.
0: All right, that's Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press and uh, the Pigskin Report, uh, brought to you by Mr. Lube. Uh, be winter ready at com. Check out one of their nine... Edmonton locations, uh, Duke. What do you see in this game tonight? Are you? Uh, I, I'm gonna. Well, it's gonna be tough. I'm, baseball is probably gonna be priority number one to watch the World Series Game Three, but a guy will keep an eye on this one as well. What do you? What do you like in this one?
3: Uh, I, I'm my main focus is gonna be on Jameer Gibbs. You talked about yeah. it with uh, with Dave there because
0: you've got him in every draft.
3: I just have him in the one, but oh. also to see. If he will continue to be utilized to this fuller extent or if they are going to try and uh, pass some of these other touches off um, to, to the depth back. So they've they brought him behind him with Montgomery out. So I, I'm not worried about it. The league that I have Gibbs in, I looks like I'm going to have a victory on the week. Uh, a couple extra points tacked on should be able to get me over the league's average, which gives me an extra win in the column. Mm-hmm. Um, which I need in that league. I've been hampered by injuries, crushed uh, pretty much across all my fantasy <laughs> leagues in both football and hockey, and hockey's only a few weeks old. So, um, it, yeah, it, he's just a really exciting player uh, yep. in general. And so this uh, that Raiders front, you, Max Crosby, the, the start and be, or beginning and the end of the conversation when it comes to the Raiders' defensive abilities. So uh, it should be a good matchup. And just like Dave said, that Panay Sewell and uh, Max Crosby matchup on the line. Some of those kind of, more deep dive things about football games that sometimes get lost in the shuffle, I think I'll have my eye on a few things like that.
0: So Jameer Gibbs, your boy, last week, uh, career highs with nine receptions, 126 scrimmage yards, 68 on the ground, 58 receiving. Well, that's pretty good numbers. Uh, I will be 0-9. How's that sound? Um, 0-9 after a decent week. Guess who I threw in at quarterback yesterday?
3: Sam Howell, yes, how? You know, what? Connor and I <laughs> talked about it on Friday. I said, I said, I like the Sam Howell matchup this weekend because, for the only reason being that the Eagles are a wagon, but the Commanders always play them very close, mm-hmm. and for that to happen, Sam Howell would have to have a great game, and he probably had his best game as a pro uh, so far, and he the commanders are right in that game till the very end I think of course the better team did end up winning that's kind of how it's gone most of the time uh, for that uh, NFC East matchup but um, props to the commanders for playing a great game and now with the trade deadline looming I uh, another thing that Dave mentioned looking like probably one of if not maybe both of Montez Sweat and Chase Young might have new homes uh, by yes. later this week we were so we're just
0: saying sweat there too yeah I love these donkeys on CBS here uh, this is Dave Richards I believe Uh Sit Sam Howell. Um, After starting the week, blah, 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 I've decided to sit. uh, I know the commanders have played the Eagles close in recent years. I can't trust Howell on a week when no one is on a bye. Uh, I will start Jordan Love, Derek Carr, and Jimmy Garoppolo over Howell.
3: Yeah. Uh, How are you enjoying things so far, Dave? Me thinks not. Uh, I was rewarded with the Sam Howell start in my super flex league, uh, that Mm -hmm. same one with Jameer Gibbs where – a couple other underperformers, um, my boy Tank Dell being one of them. CJ yeah. Stroud not a tremendous game and the the loss to to Bryce Young getting his first win with the Panthers. So a few things uh, contributing that Howell's big game was was huge for me. I needed it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh Chuba Hubbard in that Carolina win had 28 rushing yards, 26 receiving yards just two receptions. That would have been that was a dud game, wasn't it? 15-15 Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Man. snooze snooze and, festival and they, game. And this is your team. This is your team. What uh, this was a game they had to win. If, this you this got is a win. game
3: that if the Texans want to con- and they are still progressing and it's building and they're a young team and a lot of uh they're also battling some injuries. Robert Woods was out of the lineup. Um who hasn't had a huge role in the offense, but a dependable veteran all the same. So I think if the Texans had wanted to really make a case for themselves as a legitimate wild card team contender, because mm-hmm. it looks like the Jags are going to run away with the division, as most people, I think, expected, um, that they really needed to win this game against the worst team in the NFL. They don't. They can't get it done. So I think it brings uh, expectations a little bit back more down to reality with the the Houston squad um, because the the Titans win again. Or get a win with now Mm -hmm. Will Levis looking like he might be the guy moving forward. I I would love to see it, and boy, did Houston ever look sharp in those, or Tennessee look sharp in those old uh, Houston Oilers uniforms.
0: uh, Wasn't there some confusion with JJ Watt? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, I know. All the all the Oiler fans thought he was talking about the Oilers jerseys for the Heritage Classic. Yeah, he he was talking about it.
3: It was pretty funny, actually. (laughs) That was that was quite the the fracas on Twitter. Uh, But and I saw this uh, apparently like. Uh, the University of Houston, the Cougars, yeah. they'd had some jerseys kind of like... It, they weren't replicas per se, like the one Tennessee wore, uh, but they were inspired by the Houston Oilers uniforms with the mm-hmm. color scheme and everything. But the NFL sent them a cease and desist, saying you're not allowed to... Wear these because they are property of the NFL.
0: Maybe some infringement rights.
3: I would think that's the likely cause, but I mean come on. Yeah. Share the wealth a little bit here. The NFL. You don't have a you don't have enough going for you. You can't let the University of Houston wear some inspired jerseys no. by this a team that is not even around anymore. Those are the
0: rules, Duke. Yeah, you know okay. the rules. Okay. Those are the rules. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap things up on a, a great Monday morning. Isn't it something Duke? I mean, the Oilers win and the rabid text, you know, last week we had probably a text every minute about get rid of this guy, get rid of that guy, fire the coach. Uh, they win one game on the Outdoor, cl- on the uh, Heritage Classic and and it's a little quieter. Everyone's a little nicer today. Maybe Maybe everyone's kind of a little, it's a little bit of a hangover Monday after last night too. I think so. Would you agree with that?
3: I think there's more than a few people that are uh, probably hurting a bit. I, I'll tell you morning. this,
0: Duke, out of all the – we had a group of about 25, 30 people uh, that were going to the game, and I asked everyone in the, in the the when we were going, are you working tomorrow? No. You working? No. 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 I was the only guy that had to work. Bright and early, too, dumb. not I, all the same. So I was the only dumb guy in the group is what it was. <laughs> uh, we're back to wrap things up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, uh, Duke, I just put her out on the old uh, social media, the sociable, I sent that picture out from 20 years ago. Have you seen it yet? Uh, I think it's about 20 years ago, uh, Halloween. So you can have a gander at that. I'm sure a few of our, uh, <laughs> our listeners will be checking that out. Uh, dressed up as Jason Greger. Uh, Dr. Wang sent me the picture a little while back, so it was just, what a... What a mistake it was. Why would I do something, like, so foolish? Uh, it didn't work out. Let's just say the night didn't go as planned back in the day. Somewhere around 20 years ago. Not exactly sure, but it's a nice picture. Have you seen it, Duke? Or are you on the?
3: I'm searching. Oh, okay. I'm, uh, you know, my, my news feed is so <laughs> packed. Okay, here we go. Oh, yeah, what a spot-on impression. <laughs> <laughs> You, Gregs, and Doctor—I w- had to do a double take. I couldn't even tell which uh, one was you and which one was the real
0: Gregor. Well, that was, was okay. The microphone there—that's a team. It was a team. team 12, 12, 12, so yeah. back—it was even before the obviously it went to TSN. So, oh boy. Yeah. Oh that's a
3: yeah. Bad that, uh, yeah. That, um, that bald cap. Uh, far from Hollywood <laughs> well, quality. I no, would say. <laughs> it was. It was
0: actually. But again, it was so hot in there. And I I can't remember, I'd have to ask Dr. Wang where that was taken, but I think it might be overtime, but not sure. Holy smokes, terrible. Uh, Tex, still got time to send one in if you like, -uh, 1-833-401-1440. It's a big weekend on campus for the uh, Alberta Golden Bears. Uh, It's going to be basically Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. Uh, The Hardy Cup semifinal is slated for 5 o'clock on Saturday, Mountain Time, Footfield, Saskatchewan Huskies taking on the Alberta Golden Bears. It's the sixth time uh, that the two teams have played in the Hardy Cup. Uh, first time at Footfield since 2004. Are you going to be going to this game, Duke?
3: I am uh, hoping to. Uh, the, here's, what, here's the thing, Kev. This okay. later start will, it act- helps you? will actually benefit me because I am uh, Friday night headed... Back down to Central AB for the CFR. Going, to the, oh, Friday, going, are going you really? to the going to the rodeo Friday with a couple of the oh. couple of the crew, and we'll uh, I'm sure and head to the cabaret after the fact. Oh. So I might be limping a bit Saturday morning, but once I make my way back to the city, uh, that five o'clock. Game mm-hmm. time, uh, so should make help it, you. Should make it feasible. Uh, one o'clock, one. Ooh, that that might be a little dicey. I'm just
0: hoping. I was. I said one o'clock earlier, and I now that you know, uh, I can't remember the texter's name that sent it in. That the Oilers, the Oilers, play. Play, Oilers yeah. play. at one o'clock against Nashville on Saturday afternoon. So that's all cool. That that's good. That maybe you know, if you want to hit both games now, you can do that. Uh, I just thought you know, for you know, being out in the sun, if it's going to be a nice day, 1 o'clock would be a better uh, start time. So the Bears beat Saskatchewan twice already this year. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's tough to beat a team three times in a row in a season. It was 26-22 and 23-20, uh, both uh, very, very close games. That 23-20 game, that was uh, uh, Giustini field goal in the dying seconds uh, to win it. Uh, Alberta is averages 30.9 points a game, uh, but didn't have a very good offensive showing on Saturday against uh, UBC. I went to that game and it was uh, a little chilly to say the least, but um, we'll see what the bears can do. And obviously you would think that uh, UBC would come out of the other game and then the bears would have to go to take to uh, UBC if uh, they beat Saskatchewan. So uh, interesting for sure. And also the golden bears hockey team is home. I believe I thought they were home this weekend can't See it now, they are. Tab, right. You betcha. Oh, there pa- they are. Pa- pair yeah. Games versus so, uh, the UFS yeah. as well. I just uh, went through it, to, uh, went over it. So, Alberta against the Huskies, uh, uh and Saskatchewan, eight and oh. So, Friday night, seven o'clock, Saturday, seven o'clock. Uh, Claire Drake Arena, uh, Bears have won four straight coming off a of bye week, and the Bears played the Huskies preseason in cold lake so i mean if you're a saskatchewan fan this has been a great rivalry between the bears and huskies for a long long time so uh looking forward to a couple of good games at uh on campus uh for sure uh this monday night game you, you think uh detroit should win it quite easily no
3: you would think i would certainly like to think so and and once again, looking back to our conversation with uh, Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press, uh, saying, "You know, this uh, that lap, that loss last week for the Lions was certainly disappointing, but this is a team that's shown us, even going back to the mm-hmm. end of last season, that these are not the uh, the Detroit Lions of yesteryear that seem to squander good opportunities and good players. They're a really good football team, and they can uh, take sole possession of a uh, second place in the NFC with a, with a win tonight, um, and, and get themselves. I mean, you know, you got to start thinking about." The, those playoff matchups and stuff uh, early if you're a team that wants to seriously contend. So uh, keeping yourself only one game behind that top seed and that bye, that's really important.
0: Denver beating Kansas City first time in 16 games. Big. That was, you know, that was an eventful uh, moment for uh, a Denver team that uh, needs to take a step forward because it's been backward, backward, backward. Uh, We saw the quarterbacks going down was a big storyline. And the other one yesterday for me, San Fran. Like what? This was a team everyone was going, holy, this is a great, great team. They're middle of the pack now. They're a middle of the road team after three in a row. That's five and three, man.
3: Yeah, it's weird how things can change in such. A, you know, it is three games, but seemingly a pretty quick turnaround on Brock Purdy being annoyed at his. Well, no, he's not just a system quarterback. He's really good. He's a top ten quarterback in the NFL, and I still think he's he's good. But now three straight games where he has looked far from great. The the turnovers suddenly becoming a pretty big issue. And like you said, the Niners are now back in the mix. They're not even leading the division. The Seahawks have taken over there, uh, who are a very good team in their own right. So yeah, it's uh, that. I think people overlooked the value of Debo Samuel in that offense, mm-hmm. even when the couple of weeks before he left with injury. You know, not necessarily putting up big numbers, not a ton of targets, but he does so many other things in the game. And when you have somebody of his caliber in your offense, that all of all of a sudden makes other players, uh, George Kittle, uh, Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey in the past game more available because the more weapons you have the the more spread out a defense is going to be they can't really focus in on one player so the Debo's uh, missed games I think that's really had an impact on the Niners here in the past few weeks
0: I agree um, with Fantasy Frenzy coming up at the top of the hour um, what do you make of Alvin Kamara and I mean he, he seems like he has the ball every play
3: which he should if you look at virtually uh-huh. the rest of that uh, Saints offense and Derek Carr's disappearing act in terms of his ability to actually throw the ball downfield well cuz he's got good receivers mm-hmm. i mean Chris Olave when he's not uh behind the wheel of a car seems like a very capable uh football player uh Michael Thomas when he's in the lineup is, still has a lot of game left so and and it's basically the Taysom Hill uh or Alvin Kamara show when it comes to the Saints offense so far this season and i went up against Kamara in one of my leagues and he between <laughs> so him and I. between him and AJ Brown that was pretty much good night irene uh on that week even though my team had a pretty decent week, but far from enough to, to beat a, a lineup that features those two guys this weekend.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I went up against Herbert Kamara. I mean, <laughs> well, I, what, what are you going to do? Well, the guy's still got Josh Jacobs tonight. I mean, I'm sick of this league. Just sick of it. Oh nine, 9
3: I sat Jacobs this week. Um, over the uh, for the likes of Gus Edwards, which was a decision that looks like it paid off. Uh, we haven't seen, obviously, Jacobs play yet. But the bigger mistake was, uh, once again, slotting Damian Pierce in. I oh. thought he, I thought this would be a great game for him to Carolina, finally get going. Carolina, the
0: second-worst rushing team giving up yards. Yeah, That's why I put Pierce in. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give him another chance.
3: And he did nothing. I was in the same boat. I, I left Kareem Hunt on the bench, and uh, that, uh, once again, didn't cost me a win in that league per se but you know you like to rack up the point totals get the confidence going a little bit
0: pierce isn't seeing the, the active roster again for me
3: yeah it it, it, it would take uh, an injury situation because in that league that i own him i'm quite deep at the running back position so i think i'll be hard pressed to be starting him again after uh
0: nico collins was a pig too yeah. this weekend
3: yeah well the texans i mean they, they were a team that was so exciting uh for the start of this season and now uh just a. Bit of a dud of a game. Pierce, it's a trending one, but for guys like Stroud, Dell, Collins, I think it might Mm -hmm. be more of a a one-off situation. I think they'll be back into my starting lineups again.
0: So uh, a wonderful evening last night at Commonwealth Stadium. 55,411 fans on hand to watch the Heritage Classic, a 5-2 uh, Oilers victory over the Calgary Flames. Uh, Connor McDavid back in the lineup played 23 and a half minutes. Uh, looked like he didn't even miss a beat. Uh, just recorded the one assist but just having him back in the lineup and having him uh, back on the roster uh, elevated the Oilers uh, game. Uh, Give them some life. Gave them uh, some jump. Um, Vander Kane had probably his best game of the season with one goal, two assists. Had six hits, six shots on goals. Uh, played over 20 minutes. 20 uh, minutes. Zach Hyman had another strong game with a goal and an assist. He was plus four. The Oilers had uh, two goals in the third period. That doubles their uh, offensive output uh, after... uh the first seven games of the season where they just had one goal in the third period. The four even strength goals, massive uh, last night against Calgary. And good to see offense coming uh, from the back end with three goals uh, from the defenseman, including uh, Brett Kulak, the local product, and uh, Vinnie DeHarnay, his first NHL goal. Uh, so congrats to Vinnie DeHarnay. Oilers with the day off today, I would imagine even. I don't know if they would have had their Halloween. They have, Halloween party is big for the this team. All the teams in the NHL, they love going, dressing up. I, maybe it's tonight or whatever. Maybe they, they, I don't know if they would have time to do it all last night, but maybe it's it's tonight. But you'll probably see some uh, pictures uh, floating around on social media. Uh, tonight, game number three of the World Series. We'll be keeping an eye on that one for tomorrow as uh, Scherzer versus Fott, uh 1-1 Arizona and Texas. The NFL Monday nighter is the... The Detroit Lions home to the Raiders. So, uh, thanks to all our guests today that came on the show. Alan Mitchell uh, from the uh, Lowdown with Low Tide. Mark Spector, Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. Hey, Perry Pern. Good luck to Perry heading over to Japan and uh, his second year coaching over there. Uh, Brendan Jansen from the Nate uh, Ux Women's Hockey Team. We had Jensen Lewis from Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network and Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. Looks like we'll have Lorianne Munzer back in the chair next Monday. We'll have to talk to Lorianne this week to see exactly uh, how her trip went. But I really appreciate uh, the fact that she's uh, enjoying her time over in Europe. And we'll have Lorianne Munzer back in the chair in the co-host seat next uh, Monday. Coming up at 11 o'clock is the former
3: Arash T T-Bird.
0: Hunter Alley and the Duke of Delburn with Fantasy Frenzy, low down with low tide from uh, 12 to 2. Jason Greger takes us home from 2 to 6 here on Sports 1440. Thanks so much for uh, uh, letting us uh, into your uh, radio dial uh, in uh, Edmonton and area. Thanks uh, for all our listeners and thanks to our guests. Uh, today we'll be back here at 7 o'clock with our co host, Grant Furu, at a Wild time, I would imagine, here for the last few days uh, in Edmonton with the Heritage Classic. Thanks again for listening. Uh, Before we go at the top of the hour in Fantasy Frenzy, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.